This message is sponsored by Life Touch Massage. For your next massage service, call us at 205-718-5144 or visit the web at www.lifetouchal.com. Remember, relief is only a touch away. We're two self-care experts, a massage therapist, and a licensed professional counselor, husband and wife and parents of three, business owners and working professionals, who have intimate experience with stress both professionally and personally. Our podcast aims to teach the everyday professional how to live through the stresses in life while learning to be their best in life. your host Tiffany Story and this is your host Lamar Story good evening and you are listening to living the stress life podcast and this week on episode nine we have you sure this episode nine yes I'm popular I'll check Um, we all over the place. It was 12 last week. No, hey. it was, <laughs> you said that last week. So we are officially on episode nine. Okay. Season two. Season two. Right. Episode nine. And we have some special guests in the building with us. And we are excited to have some fellow African-American entrepreneurs in Birmingham, Alabama, the magic city. Yeah. And so we're going to let them introduce themselves. What's up, my people? I'm Rico with I Push. And this is Aquila Harris, your girl. Hey. <laughs> so we got I Push in the house, guys. In the building. Yes. Tell us what I Push stands for. So I Push stands for I Possess Unlimited Skill and Hustle. Mm-hmm. And that basically means that um, how how I started I Push, where all the things that we do with our push, I didn't go to school for. Mm-hmm. So those are skills that I learned uh, by trade, mm-hmm. uh, bought lessons pretty much. And so you always learn in life mm-hmm. as, as you grow. So you need to have unlimited skills. Mm-hmm. And then the hustle just comes from my background from uh, early on and, and working a lot of hours and things like that. So I just apply that to my lifestyle, just to always willing to learn and be better mm-hmm. and then apply the hustle that just is in my DNA. Yo, there you go. All right. So, tell us a little bit about iPush. Like, what all do you guys do? What is the business of iPush? Okay, so initially we started out with um, just an online magazine. Mm -hmm. And basically that was just Facebook at the time. Mm -hmm. And our first magazine was called M3 Magazine. That was a Making Moves magazine. And uh, we we had to shut it down because we couldn't get an advertisement. We didn't know what we was doing. It Mm -hmm. was... It took us through the ringer because, like I said, we were just pretty much green and uh, it failed. And uh, I was at the point where I just, I was literally, I gave up. Like, I put a lot of money into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really a tough learning experience. So, um, it was it was a day came that I decided to quit and I was in the kitchen with my wife and, and I told her I was going to quit. And that, that very next day, I feel like God put, I pushed on my mind. Mm-hmm. I had a that ne- very next day I quit. I had a whole new spirit that next day about starting I push, uh, how I felt about it, the energy I had for everything was just different. I don't know what was different, mm-hmm. and I, I literally just quit and I started I push. And when I tell you, my whole life and business experience changed after that one day. Like I push took off mm-hmm. like a rocket. I mean, it's still been a struggle trying to figure it out, but it was just a huge different. Like I had to really go through that trial and error four or five years with this previous magazine mm-hmm. 
to learn my lesson and then it's just like it just clicked in one day yeah. but right now then we started out pretty much to a printed magazine and we've been able and been blessed to flourish from a printed magazine to a multimedia company so you're looking at photography videography you're looking at uh events we shoot wedding videos uh we have personality that host events red carpet events pretty much all things media uh that we do so this is sum that up is that we create content for people yeah but you know rico i ain't gonna lie bro when i look at you i don't look at somebody who wanted to start a magazine right so it's like i'm looking at you i'm like okay you told me you worked in the coal mine what made you want to do a magazine out of everything that you can do what made you want to do a magazine like what what who did you look up to was there things that you just kind of you know was like you know what i can do that i, I wish it was that sweet man <laughs> <laughs> really to be honest with you man i was i was working in a place called sipco and mm-hmm. i had a, a home i used to work there did you yeah say that out general yeah. yards okay i was in milton man mm-hmm. yep 29 so i had a, I had a homeboy man he had uh a record label and he had a bunch of artists and we was going to the 957 Jam Crime bike show and they wouldn't let everybody perform mm-hmm. so I came up with a way to create a pamphlet for them to still pass around because they, they all didn't have CDs at the time like that and that's where the idea for a magazine mm-hmm. so I like to credit just the fact that even though since I was a child I knew I was supposed to help people mm-hmm. that that's where I always go back to I knew I was supposed to help people I didn't how did know you how know that? Uh, it's just like an inner spirit. Like I, mm-hmm. like I always believe in helping people. Just young, I just knew I was supposed to help people some kind of way. But I, I didn't have an idea how it was gonna come into, you know, full circle. But that's how I feel about I push. I always feel like I'm in a position to help somebody mm-hmm. some kind of way. Okay, cause I, you know, when I think about, when I think about my career mm-hmm. as a massage therapist, it's something that I never thought about doing. Mm-hmm. It was just like, you know, I see my cousins. They were the only ones that went to college. They grew up, and we, you know, followed them. They went to school to be electrical engineers. Mm. So I was like, okay. They used to take us to visit Morehouse and Georgia Tech, where they was. And I was like, okay, shoot, I'll be an electrical engineer. That's all I seen. So I went to college. That went for me. <laughs> so all that math, I was like, oh, I can't do this. <laughs> so I ended up graduating with a child and family studies degree. But then left there, I worked with foster kids. And then just jumped into massage therapy. It was so crazy too. Like it like, was. We ahead. were we were dating at the time, and we were on the phone one one day, and he was like, "I'm thinking about going to massage therapy school and becoming a massage therapist." I was like, "Okay." First of all, <laughs> I had never really even. I don't think I've never even heard. I I knew about massage therapy, but I really didn't. I didn't even know that was a thing. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Yeah, my auntie and them said um I always my auntie and them always said I gave good massages." I was like, that don't make you a massage therapist. <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking it's just a conversation. And mm-hmm. literally, like, the next day, he was like, yeah, man, I, I went and enrolled in school today. I started next. I'm like, how that happened? Like, it was one conversation and he was in school. I fell mm-hmm. in love with it, man. It was wow. just like, that was my passion. Mm-hmm. That was what I was good at. You know, and I was like, how did I get Touching I still. You knew I was goodness. good at that, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but it was uh, I, today I still ask myself how did I get there? Cause mm-hmm. I never had a massage before going to massage school. Wow! And I was like, I just seen it in an yeah, ad in a newspaper. Uh-huh. I mean, not a professional, <laughs> <laughs> but 
<laughs> um, I seen an ad in the paper, and I, at the time I was I was working at the bank. I had to the job at the bank because I was working for a foster care agency, and it wasn't making money, you know. And I took a job at the bank in the mortgage department, and I was like, "This ain't me." Like sitting in the cubicle all day, be about to jump out the window. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it, yeah. So I seen an ad for massage day, but I was like, "Let me try that." Right. And you know, I don't know what led, and that's why I asked you that question because I was like. What made you do a magazine? Because I still try to figure out what made me do what I'm doing. And then I'm trying to figure out what made you do that. And then you're successful at it. Like you, I can tell you like what you do. And then you got your wife involved in what you do. So I know in order for the wife to get involved, she had to see something oh, that yeah. you're doing. That was a journey in itself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, let me ask you this, if you don't mind asking questions. Mm-hmm. So... Do you think that as a massage therapist, you have the mentality or, or the, the uh, what's the word I want to use, um, the mindset? Like when you first started, did it match like who you were? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it did. And that, that's why when you said, I feel like I was supposed to help you. Right. I was like, I, where you get that from? Mm-hmm. But see, that's she know my mom. Mm-hmm. That's how my mom is. Mm-hmm. That's how I am. You know what I'm saying? Right. We were always helping people. And it's like, okay, now I'm in a field where I get to help people relieve stress and pain. But I also think it speaks to his personality. Like, Lamar is very affectionate. Mm -hmm. Like, he needs physical touch. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not just, I'm not saying, like, in a sexual or sensual Mm -hmm. way. He needs to connect Mm -hmm. with other people. And his, his, his way of connecting is different because it's just like with me. He decided he wanted to go to school for counseling. And I was at home. I was um, I had, was doing real estate. The real estate market had plummeted, and I was pretty much at home and kind of working a part-time job, and I was just like, I need something else to do. And so he came home and was like, I think I'm going to get into school for counseling, for marriage and family therapy. I was like, mm, that sounds interesting, and I enrolled in school for counseling. Like, it was just random. I was like, oh, this sounds like something good to do. My friends call, used to joke and call me Dr. Phyllis. <laughs> and so I was like, my friends call me Dr. Phillips, kind of like him. And then he was like, this ain't for me. You know, it was just too much because he was he was working a full-time job, running the business, running Life Touch. It was mobile massage, a mobile massage business at the time. And for me, I was just pretty much at home. At the time when I got in school, I pretty much was just at home full-time and spending a lot of time being a mom. And um, fell in love with it and realized I was really good at it. Yeah, she's really good at it. Um, but I like I like to be stimulated intellectually and help. You know, I mm-hmm. like to process and analyze, and he does too. But he has a need for physical connection more mm-hmm. so than I have, because I'd be like, "You need to, this is my book. You <laughs> cross this line." Yeah, like, we're very different. <laughs> yeah, say about like us because I'm like yeah. that too. Like, okay, mm-hmm. that's enough. Mm-hmm. It's my parameter. Yeah. Like even when he's talking to me, if he get right here, I'm like, oh, why you got to stand so mm-hmm. close? Let me look at your face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but going going back into like where you are now, mm-hmm. realizing that man, that's that's part of my upbringing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I was always meant to help people, mm-hmm. right? Is what you said. So like, who was around you that that inspired that? And that put that in you to lead you to the man you are today, to the entrepreneur you are today. I, I, I got to give credit to my mother. Mm-hmm. My mother's been mentally ill since I can probably remember who she was. Mm-hmm. So me not being able to help her, 
it had to contribute to who I am today. Mm-hmm. Seeing my mother suffer, seeing uh, her not being diagnosed correctly young, seeing a lot of just crazy stuff because back then, we most definitely didn't address mental health the right way. Mm-hmm. You know, they say, oh, she was on drugs or, you know, just things of that nature. But she has a real humble spirit. She's a real sweet person. Mm-hmm. So every, every bit of her rubbed off on me in that sense to want to help. So I always give her, give her credit to, you know, it, it wasn't directly because she can uh, teach me nothing directly. Like, you know, her condition wouldn't allow her just to, have mother and son talks and things like that. But I was learning from her all the time. Mm. So I don't even get upset. Well, I have been upset before about not having a normal mom. But at the same time, I see that I I am a direct effect of that situation that put me to to be who I am. So I'm pretty, my wife is the opposite. I'm pretty calm. I'm like, it's hard to get me there. You Mm -hmm. know, whereas she a fireball. Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) we're the complete opposite. But I, I see you, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, really? You gonna get out of here? And I'm a, I'm a counselor, but I would go to zero, two, and then to zero. I'd be like, I shouldn't talk to you. Like, I'm like, hold on. I'll be so confused. I was like, I know you don't speak to your patients, your clients like this. Talk to me like you talk to them. So you had to turn it on and off. You had to right. know when to put it out there and when not to. And there's yeah. a threshold. Yeah. Mm. There's a threshold. But I could understand mm. coming up in an environment from a young age, mm. you know. It could go either way. Sometimes you respond to stressful situations very badly because right. you didn't have an example or someone to be able there to check you. You know what I'm right. saying? Or because things were chaotic. Or you can go the opposite direction where it's like, this made me more patient and understanding because that whether you know it or not, you soothe yourself. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So when you grow up sometimes in traumatic situations, you either become like the person that you, you know, despise or you're upset with, or you become the opposite because you're coming from a different place where you're actually, it's almost like sucking your thumb. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's a um, self-regulation t- uh, coping skill or mm-hmm. coping tool. Okay. And so you become a very patient and calm and, and taking a long time before you explode is basically you learn self-regulation um internal self-regulation at an early age mm-hmm. how much did it cost man that was a <laughs> i appreciate it we had a bill for you something you said about she couldn't teach you anything but you learned everything from her right so that that was a powerful statement reason being because that hit me in the spot with my father like a lot of people call my dad crazy or whatever. He was an alcoholic, but he um, he spoke to himself. He talked to himself all the time, you know, stuff like that. But everybody thought loved him. You know, he was they called him the mayor of Wildham. Mm. <laughs> but, of course, in the household, it was a right. problem. You know what I mean? Right. So right. when I think about that, I, it's now, like my dad passed in 2012 of cancer. But when I think about it now, I used to be like, man, my dad ain't teach me this. He didn't do that, but then I'm like, you know what? He taught me a lot without teaching me right. directly. He taught me what not to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's like now I look at all this stuff like we argue like she. I don't like to argue, and I told her that like I grew up in a house where people, my mom and dad, arguing and fighting. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's right. just like that's not that's not what I want to do. Right. You know, so it's like if if the if the argument get too 
serious. She just talked loud. That's what she said. She talked loud. Yeah, you do. <laughs> oh, you have she to be yelling at me. Yeah, but she yeah. just says she talked loud. By talking yeah. loud so you can hear us. Yeah. yeah. But that, I to me, triggers t- something I'm because intense, it's like, though. yeah, yeah it, it triggers something. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. I'm be, I feel all this right. on the inside. Yeah, because he's I like, why you are you to, mad? I'm like, I ain't mad. Yeah. Then I'm like, look at your face. Look at the turn around, look at the mirror. I was like, then it then I, I feel like I need to disconnect. You were like, hey, like we had an uh, episode recently <laughs> to where uh, we was on the way to Home Depot. I was like, look, just take me back home. You go to mm-hmm. Home Depot by yourself. <laughs> but you know, it was just right. like, because you feel it. And I, and, and, but the first thing I think about mm-hmm. is how I was brought up. You know, mm-hmm. dad used to hit my mom and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's not going to happen. Right. So I see the steps that led up to it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? This is what my father taught me. You know what I'm saying? Not trying to teach me, but just me observing all of this stuff that went on with my mom and dad. Another thing I, I look at it differently now is that he didn't go anywhere. Right. So he was still there. Mm-hmm. He raised us. That's right. You know what I'm saying? So it's a lot of positive stuff that I'm pulling away from after his death. Right. <laughs> but it's a lot of stuff I'm pulling away from how I was brought up. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, you know, he was an alcoholic. He always he always had these little sayings like make money, don't let money make you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. Don't play no hanky panky. Everybody call him hanky panky. That was his nickname. Mm-hmm. Don't play no hanky panky. <laughs> you know, just all these little stuff right. that you remember. Right. You know what I'm saying? Out of all the chaos. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I think when you said that, that's what hit me. I was like, man, mm-hmm. that is something because right. they didn't try to teach you, but that's what you learn. Right. From your upbringing. Right. Well, one thing I, I've noticed from different successful uh, business people that I follow and watch is that they uh, reflect back to their past and their upbringing. Instead of making excuses, they actually reflect to a point where they can learn from that situation. Mm-hmm. So that I think that's always good. Because some people, they go, you know, I got a million things I can talk about my past that I can use as an official complaint why I'm not here, mm-hmm. why I shouldn't do this and that. But... I, I won't though, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. I, I I think that's very true as to what you said. A lot of successful people mm-hmm. do reflect on past trials or past struggles, and a lot of times, if you put those things in perspective, mm-hmm. they actually propel you forward. It's a it can serve right. as a motivator. And I talked about this, I think, on one of our Talk About It Tuesdays, which is like our online segment of the podcast where mm-hmm. I do these. 10 or 15 minute videos talking about just something mental health related or stress related and I talked about the power of positivity mm-hmm. and science has proven that our our brains naturally tend to um, be negative mm-hmm. it's like it's easy for us to think negative and you actually have to restructure your brain cell development to think positive mm-hmm. and it's, it's just like exercise it you constantly have to do it and if you stop you fall back into old habits right Right. and so i think what those business people are doing is not that it comes natural for them they made a a choice or a decision to say i know what happened and i know kind of how i feel in the Mm -hmm. inside but i make a choice and i think i had to do that like similar to lamar Uh, i don't think our dads were similar but they weren't like my dad um, struggled with substance abuse or addiction, multiple types of addiction throughout his life, which kind of led to you know early dementia, and he died about two years ago. 
Um, but there were a lot of things I did learn from my dad. And I remember, um, like, I'll just take the uh, high school graduation. My dad was not at my high school graduation. And I remember sitting there watching the doors, waiting for my dad to come through. And I knew he wasn't going to come through. And in order for me to not lose sight of how happy I was to be graduating and how this was a big moment and I wanted to move forward, I told myself I felt sorry for him. Like, I feel sorry because he's gonna regret not being here. I knew that my dad loved us, you know what I'm saying? My dad, um, he didn't bring his stuff home. He would just disappear Thursday night, show up Sunday, ready for work. We never saw that other side of him. Although there were things that I can recall now that I realized were things that came home, but my dad didn't really necessarily come home drunk or high or anything like that. He did his stuff in the streets and then he showed back up when he was ready to be sober right. again. And so to, you know, for me to get through that and to keep pushing forward, I just basically told myself, my dad, you know, my dad loves us and He's going to regret this. And he, he he did regret it. There were times he would sit us down and just say, I just keep messing up. I'm sorry. You know, he was really humble. And those were the things I took from my dad. Like, I try to call myself out. And I started trying to realize, you know, recognize where did, where did you get this from? Like, the need to just humble yourself and say, own up to your junk. And I, I just remember those times sitting at the dining room table eating dinner where my dad would just say, I got a problem. I'm messing up. I'm hurting the family. And I was just like, man, you know how embarrassing that had to be as a man of the house to sit down and tell your family, I, you know, I ain't, I ain't being a good father. I ain't being a good supporter. And that, that was very impactful to me because I had internalized that anger. Like, I ain't going to never, I, I remember telling my mom, I ain't going to never marry a man like my dad. And in so many ways, Lamar is like my dad. Like, not the bad, the bad stuff, but... Some of, the, some of the annoying stuff, too, like being extra slow getting ready. My dad was like the slowest man ever. <laughs> I think my daughter took more of that than he did. Um, but it's ironic because I married a man that had a lot of the positive um, characteristics that my dad had. And I was just like, I'm a boy, how that work? Right. <laughs> you know? Right. You know, okay. they say, tell God your plans. What's, what's that saying? Um, <laughs> if you want to laugh, tell God your plans or something like that. Mm-hmm. I know one thing you you were speaking on was changing how you think. I know uh, from watching entrepreneurs, I, I, st I picked up the book The Secret mm -hmm. and discovered what the law of attraction was. Now that, that was very helpful mm -hmm. for me uh, late in the game. I'm talking about the, I think I read it last year. I'm reading it again now. Mm -hmm. uh, but and then I think the power of thinking big. I think I got that from Steve Harvey. I forgot. Uh, I'm, I'm not finished reading it, but it helps you and it teaches you how to reprogram your mind to thinking positive because it's just natural mm -hmm. it's natural so yeah I, I agree with you on that reprogramming your mind to think positive in in the worst situations mm -hmm. yeah. Lamar actually read that book I think you might have developed your little saying <laughs> that little saying that you had when you look at the mirror and be rubbing lotion <laughs> on your body in the morning look what's the saying in the shower yeah. <laughs> I think you developed your, uh, your saying after reading that book <laughs> Is it, um, did that happen after yeah, well, the whole law of attraction, and then um, I read a couple of other books and studied Kabbalah a little bit and, and some other stuff. But um, it's just about um, my uh, money flows to me easily like water dripping all over my body. That's the okay. secret. Okay. Okay. So it's, it, it gives you Show an what image. You do with it, baby. Show so, <laughs> so, 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 
So, it, but it gives you, a, and I say it in the shower because it's easier for me to visualize. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, mm-hmm. and we never had money issues. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, you know, even when we, it was a point where we was just like, man, when the car got repoed and your mama had to buy, let us buy the little old car, and I was just like, shoot, I'm a man of the house. This is not supposed to be happening. Right. You know what I'm saying? So something had to change. That's right. Um, but um, I do want to go back to to this. Um, I know you mentioned about your mom and your mom is being the biggest influence in your life. Uh, is your mom still with us? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And does she still struggle with mental health? Yeah, or yeah. Illness or is that- yeah, yeah. She, I wouldn't say it's a struggle because, um, so when I got out of high school, and uh, I was able to come back because I was living in a different. I had to go live with my dad in Georgia, so I was able to come back and uh, start working and and start taking care of her. Um, but those were the rough times. So I want to say she's not struggling anymore. She's a lot more peaceful because she was violent at one time. She was walking a lot at one time, a lot of talking to herself. Uh, so I was able to get her help, psychiatric help and things of that nature. But uh, she's she's peaceful mm-hmm. and she's not stressing and she's not upset. She's in a very good place living wise. So I don't say she's struggling mm-hmm. because when you don't know what's going on out in this world, you don't have the same worries that everybody else do. Mm-hmm. She don't worry about what she's going to eat, mm-hmm. what she's going to stay, what Trump doing. She don't have no clue what's going on. Right. So she ain't worried. She ain't got the same worries we got. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she's still dealing, you know, with that. Uh, she's a paranoid schizophrenic. It's mm-hmm. a diagnosis. Is it better? Do you think her, she has less um, episodes? Um, is it better? better managed now absolutely is she more stable absolutely and yeah. what do you think has led to it being more stable now because you know a lot of a lot of people mm. don't recognize that paranoid schizophrenia gets mi- misdiagnosed mm. a lot and um i think what really made me i was already working in mental health but mm. what made me really explore how often people get misdiagnosed especially in the African-American community, a lot of people don't recognize first that a lot of these um, mental illnesses like bipolar disorder and schizophrenia is really connected to generational trauma, long-term trauma, right? Um, That starts sometime before you're even conceived, right? Um, It's just not just genetic in the way that we think it's genetic. Some of it is um, environmental too. But when you start to see signs and symptoms, it's often misdiagnosed and mistreated, which means that it continues to progress and then you end up into a full um, severe mental illness state. And so most people get diagnosed first as, um, a lot of times you'll start with like a major depression or some type of anxiety disorder. And then for a lot of black people, we get ODD or uh, conduct disorder if you're a male or, or de- depending on your age. But bipolar disorder a lot of times gets diagnosed for paranoid schizophrenia. Right. And I think what made me look into it was when, I don't know if you guys ever watched Master Chef, but there was a young black guy. I can't remember his name. Real tall guy. And he's from Alabama? No, he wasn't from Alabama. Um, but he was on Master Chef. Did really good, uh, really advanced into like uh, maybe the top five or something. Well, after the show, there's a lot of press and stuff that comes along with that. And he was at a uh, doing um, some type of event or something and end up 
the stress of being in that show and everything that comes with that type of lifestyle um just stressing him out triggered a psychiatric break Mm. and he just spiraled and he ended up committing suicide Mm. Um, Mm. but he went through several misdiagnoses went uh was sleeping out in the street and his mom just kept campaigning for help had gone through several diagnoses before they found out what was wrong with him and by the time they found out what was wrong with him it was really too late he was he was in full throttles of paranoid schizophrenia and um and it was so sad because he was young. He was like early 20s yeah. when he went on this show. And to see someone go from, you know, being successful, looking like they're going to end up with a successful career as a chef, chef well-known, could cook his butt off, self-talk, you know. He had no formal training to having a severe mental illness and ultimately committing suicide is a failure on part of all the clinicians. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But we as African Americans, it's a lot being talked about it now in the media. We don't get diagnosed because people don't believe our pain. They don't mm-hmm. listen to what we're saying. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I forgot where I started with that. Yeah. But we've always Jamal. historically looked at, um, been looked at as people who are able to take pain. Yes. Right, exactly. You yes. know, so yeah. they historically we've been looked at, oh, they can handle that. Or we, you know, and we come up with our own ways of handling it. Even the people in our family, we don't even diagnose them. You know what I'm saying? It's right. just like, it's just how they are. He just you crazy. Know, don't so. pay him no attention. Right. Yeah. yeah, you know, and they just become part of it. We just have that crazy uncle or crazy mm-hmm. auntie. Everybody just be like, come on, bring your crazy ass I mean, we yeah. You, yeah. literally yeah. use term. We've been taught that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I think you asked me what my mom better. So, she's been dealing with this for so long that the biggest thing that has helped her is time. Huh. Time has really healed my mother. Uh-huh. Uh, she's in very good physical shape. Uh, she has not been on all type of meds. Uh, she doesn't go see a psychiatrist on a regular basis. Uh, God in time. Uh-huh. That has really been her healing and was keeping her her youth. Who takes care of her? I do. And, uh, and, we do. Yeah, we do. I'm sorry. We do. <laughs> yeah, but even, even when we first met, that was one of my, my mom, me and my mom living together. And uh, I've been, like I said, I've been taking care of my mom since I got mm-hmm. to high school. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was just one of the things that uh, we had to, to deal with was her uh, accepting my mother. Mm-hmm. But she saw how passionate I am about my mom. You know, just, I just wouldn't know no way without, you know, my mom. Let's talk about yeah. that because yeah. that's a that's a big deal. You it know, is. we we go into situations nowadays expecting someone to have a child. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes people even talk about you know getting involved with a partner who may have a STD. You know mm-hmm. that, which is a really big one, especially when you talk about things like syphilis or AIDS or mm-hmm. something of that nature. But we don't often think about when you're a caregiver for a parent. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. especially a parent that either has a severe medical condition or severe mental illness. So right. what kind of, um, well, how did how did that look at the beginning of the relationship, you know, at, at the beginning of the marriage, and what kind of strain has that put on your relationship, and how have you guys kind of dealt with that? Uh, so in, in, in the beginning, most definitely tough because you got two women in the household. So it, it wasn't like my mom lived someone I had to go. Like I had to literally uh, take care of her, mm-hmm. and that means you know feed, uh, clothes, things like that, like a child. Mm-hmm. So uh, 
it, it, it wasn't easy by far because they had to get used to each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my mom, she likes to clean and she would use up a whole bottle of Clorox in mm-hmm. one day. Mm-hmm. And that, that'll fire her off. Mm-hmm. So we had to have come, you had to let, you had to let stuff happen so you can know how to react to it. Mm-hmm. Cause you can prevent, you didn't know what was gonna happen. So whereas my wife might get upset and it makes me upset because she upset with my mom or I didn't like the tone she was talking to my mom in or something like that. So we had to just go through what was happening in our life to learn how to figure out what's the best route. Mm-hmm. Even like now, uh, if, if she does something, my she makes my wife mad, my wife gonna come to me first mm-hmm. and let me talk to my mom because she's gonna be upset. Mm-hmm. And and I, I try to remind her, say, hey, you know, don't forget she got a memory. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Because it's easy to forget. Because mm-hmm. uh-huh. you get comfortable living with a person and it's just like everyday routine. Mm-hmm. But uh, the conversation, I guess the communication that me and my wife have over the period of years has really made the difference. Yeah. Just working it out. And it, with, with no easy way. Mm-hmm. I can't True. say there's no six steps I can write down for you. <laughs> we just had to work it out, man. Pray it out and work it out, really, to make this happen. What do you think is taking on, on your part? Just learn how to be more patient. Learning how to be more patient, being more accepting, and knowing that we are dealing with somebody that has a mental illness. Mm -hmm. And I have to look at it like, okay, um, this is his mom. Mm -hmm. I know he wouldn't do my mom like this, so I have to look at it as, you know, this is still his mom. Mm -hmm. And give her that respect. So, yeah. And and it's a situation, too, where for us, there is nowhere for her to go. Mm -hmm. There's no other ultimatum. Mm -hmm. I'm not putting her in a home, you know, uh, Lord forbid, and this she is mine you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. i gotta take care of so it's not like we had those conversations like well hey it's either me or her now i mean it was that conversation like hey package deal package yeah. deal pretty much do y'all have children mm-hmm. yes so how 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 do you think it impacts your kids growing up in a setting for one where it's different for you from how you were raised like you grew up having to take care of your mom but your kids grow up with your mom but seeing someone else model for them what it looks like to push through that and take care of of someone yeah take Mm -hmm. care of someone the uh, elder but also how does it look for them to live in a home with someone who has mental illness do you think it has had um a, a, a positive impact on them do you think it's been a struggle for them um What's your perspective on that? I think it's more of a positive impact because we teach them to take care of one another. Mm-hmm. So they know when we're not in place, you take care of grandma because we're not here. Mm-hmm. Even though she, we make it seem like, okay, she's looking after y'all, but mm-hmm. you're going to look after her. Mm-hmm. So it's like a give and take. Yeah. So I, I think they do good. How old are the kids? Go on. Me too. 20. <laughs> 22, 18, and 11. Oh, y'all, y'all, y'all got grown kids. I'm thinking you better say like, guys, <laughs> mm, yeah. But, you know, you see often that kids grow up and they don't take care of their parents like they're supposed right. to. They be mm-hmm. fussing with their parents and cussing their parents mm-hmm. out. And, you yeah, know, modeling something totally different. Right, mm-hmm. right. So they, they, they see how, how we are with her. And um, so I'm, I'm hoping and praying they, they do the same for us. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. To, and they most likely block. will because that's mm-hmm. what they see. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this, going and this kind of flip pages a little bit, but going into the entrepreneurship of outreach, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, this podcast is all about stressors and how you live through the stress life. Mm-hmm. And I know that as an entrepreneur, both of us entrepreneurs, 
we know that being an entrepreneur can be very stressful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And yes. then being an entrepreneur in Birmingham is like even oh, more stressful. I'm gonna say oh, ten times. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's just like, um what would you say has been one of your biggest stressors with I push? And how did you push through it? See, I did that. Everybody give my hand. I know, right? I like that. Good job. Uh, One one of the biggest stresses for me is the unknown. Because I I didn't go to school for what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And I have to learn from other people. I've had to rely on other people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then, like I said, I I tell people I have two degrees. I have one in... uh, Google University and YouTube University, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So everything I've learned, uh, a majority I've learned is from from there. So just the unknown, trying to figure stuff out and, and try to make it look good and look presentable how it's supposed to look, mm-hmm. putting that standard to it when you really just don't know. Mm-hmm. So it's like business been, uh, I've been blind, you know what I'm saying? I don't know if it's, what's the name of that movie? Um, which one, with Will Smith? I don't know, but they, they was blind. They had to stay blindfolded to keep oh, them down or something um, like that. With Bird Box. Bird Box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So something like that. Like yeah. I, I feel like I'm blind a lot of times. Like I have to really go into these rooms with these people and uh, speak the lingo, uh, know what I'm talking about, or go into these situations with partners and opportunities and figure it out without mm-hmm. really knowing and without letting everybody else know I don't know. It'd be so vulnerable to where I, I, I turn away opportunity because I don't know. Mm-hmm. So that that's the biggest stress right there is trying to figure it out as I go. Yeah, and I, I completely understand that. Yeah. Because, you know, I went into this massage therapy thing. You know, of course, I learned how to be a massage therapist, but mm-hmm. I wasn't a business major. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I started doing a mobile massage, and then I figured out income tax. I was like, I ain't made no money. <laughs> <laughs> you think you're making right. money. Then the income tax, you was like, hold on. We ain't made nothing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So something got to change. Right. Uh, it was a program Birmingham had called Real Birmingham. Yeah. I went through that, taught me the business mm-hmm. period right I was like and it all made sense you know what I'm saying I was right. like man I should have been learning this stuff man it then made I was a, a big yeah difference. it made a big difference right. so then I was able to take my business to a whole nother level because of this simple class you know what I'm saying right. it just taught me business basics I think it was just deeper than that though I think it was strain it streamlined his thinking Lamar is one of those people he has a lot of great ideas and he's just kind of all over the place. Like, he come up with some fire ideas, okay? But to see it from an idea to actual, like, real-world manifestation is very, very difficult, you know? And I and try to tell her, like, look, I come up with the ideas. You do it. <laughs> but it's like, that, no, I need, that's I need really to, how it was, yeah, though. because it's like, you know, sometimes to work as a team, that's what it takes. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You might have some people who are able to go out there and do the footwork, but then you got this this person who thinks of the ideas. That's how I know, like, one day I'm going to have enough money to just come up with ideas and That's be right. like, hey, I need this thing right here to happen. You know That's what I'm saying? Right. So, But the, the, the stressful part about it was that I was the business major. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so my thinking about certain things was different. I'm also very type A. You know what I'm saying? So everything has to have a process and an order. Yeah, I'm A++. (laughs) (laughs) So everything has to have an order, and there has to be a a backup plan. But I think growing up in a household, going again to my upbringing, I realized that things trigger my anxiety. I'm naturally anxious, and I I realized that that is a a trait I inherited. It's genetic, Mm -hmm. right? And 
it's just one of those situations where growing up in a house where you saw your your dad having substance abuse issues and money became an issue you know where we were we lost our car we had a car repossessed and seeing my mom have to go shopping from the thrift store and things like that um anytime it seemed like things were unstable or i couldn't see a plan to control freak or type a in me is like this don't make sense mm -hmm. you know and then we did go through our own thing because you know he talked about not me and him have talked about how he wasn't in an environment where he was taught about money and making good financial decisions and my mom kind of scared me into having good credit you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Coming from college, I had good credit. She was mm -hmm. she was taking over bills. I was like, you messing up my credit. You told me good credit was important. Mm -hmm. And then we get into a relationship, and we didn't necessarily, we're so different, didn't agree with decisions. But my mom would be in my ear saying stuff like, he got to figure it out. If you don't let him figure it out. And I'm like, but we struggling. You know, we, we about to have a car repossessed because we ain't on the same page, you know. And, um. But I think once he went through the business class, what it did was it clicked for him. You know what I'm saying? And I start to see things differently. And I had to actually went through it with him because he was like, you should do this with me. I was like, what do I need to do this for? But I did it trying to be supportive because I always wanted him to feel like I support you. But I also expect you to get it. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? And I think once he did that, seeing him get it, like feeling him. And then we did, they had that, um, their event the big pitch and mm -hmm. we went through that and i think for me well, we got chose out of what, how many people i don't remember they chose like 10 out of 60 or something like mm -hmm. that it was something like that we got chosen to like do a pitch in front of this live audience mm -hmm. and stuff like that so that was big for us we but didn't it, it pushed us yeah. i think the big i think the business really took off after that and i think we we still are in a place where we're trying to be on the same page as far as me being a co-owner of the business we still had these debates yeah, i'm gonna have to talk to you about that on the side like how you pull your wife in right. <laughs> I, but, I'm uh, bested, but it's yes i am i'm best i'm bested, <laughs> but the different the thing about it is we have two very different perspectives mm -hmm. and you know i we went back and watched will smith and um jada pinkett smith Red Table Talk mm -hmm. again, seen mm -hmm. and it was. I love it. I love her show. Oh. Yeah, I, the one I with Will it. on there is a must see yeah. for okay. men. Okay. It's just like and women. Mm -hmm. but yeah, yeah, actually watch it together. They got a part one and part two. Okay, man, he spoke to me. And you yeah, know, watching like, it the wow. second time together really helped because one of the things that he said, and he's really intense. I feel like we, both of them, are intense, mm -hmm. and we are both intense in our own ways. Um, he was just like in the material world together we win mm -hmm. and it was just like it clicked the second time around mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying I'm gonna try to tell you that's what I do first of all <laughs> go ahead <laughs> okay <laughs> I think for me though is he'll try to convince me to do stuff I'm like I just don't want to do that mm -hmm. and I don't want to be sucked into doing something as an entrepreneur that I know I'm not passionate about and I'm going to stick with long time. Because when I'm done, I'll be like, I quit. Like, I'll quit a job and be like, look, you, I'm giving you two weeks. Right. And he'll be like, I thought we had a plan. I'm like, I plan to quit. I'll find another job. <laughs> God got me. <laughs> you know? Because I just, the way. That's why he laughing so hard. Because he know I tell him in a minute, I quit for the day. <laughs> so I said, like, I give you the deuces. I quit. I quit on him. Like, I'm going home. I'm going to sleep. Mm -hmm. I'll holler at you later. But I think 
for us, it was just very impactful. And it was almost like, what was the the word? It was like a revelation. Mm-hmm. Like, because we had been having the argument we were having that day at Home Depot had something to do with <laughs> business and relationship. Or me being a co I don't even know what it was about for real. <laughs> but when we watched the video, it clicked again. Like, you know what? He's right. You know what I'm saying? It took when we what? went. Say that again. <laughs> I'm not talking about Lamar is right. I'm talking about Will Smith. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Lamar is right. Thank you, Lamar. Why are you over here acting brand new? Look, you made him take his glasses off and wipe his face. <laughs> like, okay. But in a, for real, when he did that class, mm-hmm. together, us working on the big pitch, People believed in what we ha- were doing. We got mm-hmm. so much support. People were coming to us like, "How can we help you?" Even though we didn't win, mm-hmm. which we had the best pitch. I don't mm-hmm. care what. I don't care yeah, who we won. Supposed to won that one. And a lot of people was like, "We don't understand why y'all ain't win." But it gave me a newfound respect for what he was trying to do mm-hmm. for for us. Yeah. So we wanted to talk about, you know, the stresses of being an entrepreneur. How you push through. Um, those stressors in today's society in Birmingham specifically on being an entrepreneur. Um, so, you know, our whole podcast is about living through the stress life. You know what I mean? Right. So we, we want to take this time now to just say thank you guys for coming and sharing your story. Thank you for telling us we know who you are. We know where you came from. Uh, we know why I push exists. But we also now want to know about what I push got coming up. Okay. So, Let's inform the people with what's going on with our push. Uh, we know we got the our push foodie festival right. mm-hmm. coming up September first. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that. Okay, so yeah, thank you guys again. Uh, like I said, we we appreciate every opportunity, man. Someone wants to interview. We always on the opposite side, which we like mm-hmm. to do the interviews because that's it's part of our work. But being uh, being interviewed is is new to us. We still be nervous like mm-hmm. we wasn't again. But the. Uh, <laughs> The second annual I Push Food and Music Festival takes place Labor Day Sunday, uh, September 1st from 5 to 11. And uh, we expanded this year. Um, and so what we're doing is doing a block party from mm-hmm. 9 to 11, where we basically going to turn up. All mm-hmm. the jazz and live music is gone. You know, all mm-hmm. the elder people probably be gone by the end. And, uh, but we added a, uh, a art gallery. It's an mm-hmm. outdoor art gallery. Okay. And it was spoken word, uh, acoustic music. We added uh, a chicken wing cook-off. Not oh, chicken okay. wing, but a chicken wing uh-huh. cook-off. I mean, it's going to be good, good. Yeah, it better mm-hmm. be good. Exactly. <laughs> Do you have specific restaurants for that or just individuals? Uh, right now, we, we have some specific restaurants. Uh, we know one more to get locked in, and then I can kind of release all of them. Mm-hmm. But, well, I'm going to just push the preserver. I don't know if y'all already talked about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I got to call Chef D. Yeah. That's some work okay. for <laughs> I'd like to have out there. Um, she just won first place at the... Um, Chicken, was it Chicken Wing Festival? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah this is right. her second year in a row when it first place. Oh, okay, didn't know. I'm glad you told me that. So, uh, and also we expanded inside the VIP, uh, having a fashion show. Uh, we're having this real dope live podcast mm-hmm. called Living the Stress Life. <laughs> <laughs> How about you guys? Yeah. And I heard y'all gonna have some massages. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and some massages. Life touch massage, man, and uh, that's been a hot selling point, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, but overall, the, the festival brings together a lot of entities of culture in Birmingham, right. where I, I see a lack of, and not just to say that people are not doing great things to uh, push the culture forward, 
just to say that we're uh, creating something to where we can house almost every piece of culture that Birmingham has under one roof mm-hmm. in, in one event. Uh, and this is going to be done where? Uh, downtown Inslee, mm-hmm. what they call it, the Inslee Entertainment District. And people are starting to really ask me why Inslee. Uh, my father grew up in Inslee, but also to say that uh, all the other areas have their staple events, mm-hmm. and every other area is kind of booming and growing, and everybody's talking about it. And I push kind of bills and live on being different mm-hmm. and opposite. So we went to Inslee where there's not so much going on and, and whatnot. So just to kind of put people in a, in a different area mm-hmm. uh, that's really dealing with crime and other issues. But mm-hmm. it's, it's it's on the future plans for, for Birmingham to rebuild Inslee. It just hasn't happened yet. Yeah. You know, I, I really like that. And I have a, a deep respect and appreciation for you doing that because I don't think what a lot of people realize is that, you know, Inslee has been intentionally, I think, neglected. Mm-hmm. You know, I agree. it has been intentionally yeah. neglected. Um, but it is a place that can be really awesome because it's almost centrally located. It is. You know, and so I, I think that if there is a turnaround um, for Inslee, it's going to be an awesome place to live and thrive. But I also think the turnaround should be for the people who actually live in that area, who have been vested in this this area over time. Um, but what a lot of people also don't recognize is people who become um, moguls and great do what you're doing. They dare to be different. They dare to do something someone else is not doing. Why go and try to start an event in an area that's already got other events? And those, and to be honest, those areas don't want our events. And you doing something for the culture, you know what I'm saying? Well, that's what I see. I see I push is doing something for the culture, and like you said, it's is touching different cultural aspects, not just being African American, but people don't understand culture is it, it can be gender, it can be race, right. it can be you know art it can be music it can be food you know what i'm saying and so i think the fact that you guys are doing this in Inslee is just awesome we we've lived in Inslee for almost 15 years since we've been married um and we're we're trying to do the same thing investing in Inslee. yeah and i'm from wildland so it's just like it makes sense yeah right um and like i see y'all vision of the i push foodie festival it's almost like the BET Awards for Birmingham to me. You know what I'm okay. saying? The okay. downtown like Inslee. Right. It's just like, you know, you come, you got all these shows going on, you got um, all this culture mm-hmm. in one place in a safe environment, um, and it's just it's just awesome. And do I, y'all have any more VIP tickets left? Uh, we do. Uh, if you if you came last year, you you would know they're going to go fast. Yeah, so we went last year. And yeah. VIP got sold out on us. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. I, we was upset about that one. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> so, and, and that's why you said we had to expand the VIP uh, building that we're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just get back to Inslee. Uh, and, and, and things that we do, I'm not really driven by money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been blessed to always make money. Like, I, I've been employed to do it on the block, but still, I ain't never really wanted for nothing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, doing the Inslee, I could have got a uh, went to a different location, and the name itself would have helped made it sound grand, mm-hmm. and more people would have came, and more money would have came. Or I could have made it more attractive to multicultures. Right. Just like the brand itself, I was advised very early: we don't spend no money, we don't uh, we don't do right. You know, 
don't do a business just for black people. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I, I chose to ignore all that, and it come with struggles on struggles. Yeah. But some of that stuff is true. But you do still have to, there to be different. But uh, it comes with its own struggle. We we can't sit here and say, man, that uh, we my job is to make things look good. Mm-hmm. And and that's what sells is perception. When you watch TV and you listen to radio things, like you you listen to the perception that people put out there. Mm-hmm. So uh, when we marketing and branding for people, and, and that's our job, even when it comes to uh, transparency, the uh, the quality of the transparency, whether your audio or video has to look good. But uh, just being transparent, it, it's not easy even dealing with our people and doing an event like this in the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still face our different struggles, but a part of the DNA that we built with the brand is to keep pushing, mm-hmm. keep, keep finding different avenues, deep, keep connecting with different people that are on the same mindset like yourselves to to get this uh, event off the ground. Uh, because everybody don't see your vision. Now you gotta keep pushing. That's uh-huh. right, keep pushing. Because <laughs> <That's right. laughs> everybody don't see your vision, man. Yeah. And, and you can't be upset if everybody don't see it. And then some people don't want to see your vision. Mm-hmm. They don't want to see your vision grow. And I try not to waste no time thinking about these people or talking about them. Or, yeah. uh, I don't do no venting and what they call that when you get on social media and you do all the venting and Rant. stuff like mm-hmm. ranting. <laughs> Yeah, I always no time with that. So it, it's still a struggle. It's still stressful. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, I, I appreciate all the, the praise, but to that day is over with, then I can kind of relax. Yeah. I'm trying to get it over with, man. I'm yeah. trying to put on a real good show for everybody and, and get past it. Mm-hmm. But what I think you're also doing is reconditioning people. So even though you're, uh, you're uh, encountering these struggles, I think a lot of people, the people, the naysayers that say, you know, don't cater to just black people because black people don't spend money or black people don't do this. We heard the same thing. We heard the same mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And I think you're reconditioning how people see black businesses. And unless we well, you got do an all that, black staff, why you got an all black staff? Yeah. If you do a massage, you need to have a, a white front desk and all this, you mm-hmm. know. Right. I, I heard that. We heard that. Wow. And it's amazing because at one point, most of Lamar's clients were white. White people with money, mm-hmm. um, but when we open up downtown um, and we really start just getting out there and people start coming and experiencing an all black staff, um, it changed and our great whole customer service. and great customer service. You know, not just a great customer service, but a nice environment. Like right. we we did, uh, I feel like we did an excellent job of trying to make our first place feel warm and welcoming, welcoming, nice and quaint, you know what I'm saying, and clean, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, so not only do you come and get good customer service, but you in a clean, nice environment, it really changed, um, it really changed the demographic, people were coming there and wanting to support and wanting to give us shout outs because it reconditioned their perspective of what it meant to go to a black establishment, and I, so I think what you guys are doing is say, we can go to a place that is deemed as a high crime area and put on something nice. But guess what? People can do things nice in high crime areas because you also have people who are committing crime sometimes respect you and don't want to mess it up because they want that. Mm-hmm. They're not always stealing and doing stuff because that's just their mentality. They're doing it out of desperation. Right. You know what I'm saying? They're doing it because they don't have access. And when you give them access and say, you don't have to do that. You want a job? Mm-hmm. You know, I respect people um, like Brian Rice. There's, you know, he's utilizing homeless guys. And not only did he utilize them to help him clean his place up, but he put their pictures up. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Showing somebody respect. Basically saying, 
these people are people who just fell on hard times. Right. They came and helped me even though I didn't really have a whole lot to offer. And to honor them, I'm treating them like somebody mm-hmm. by right. putting that picture on and <clears throat> say, I appreciate this person. And mm-hmm. I think when you do that in those communities, you start to recondition even the people who might have been doing the wrong things. And Antonio Sperling and Trey Washington. So right. we, we big both all of them up, man. Yeah, Ensley. Uh, Antonio Sperling gave us a, a tour. It was a few years ago mm-hmm. of all his buildings and spaces, and I was like, right. "Someone went off in my head." I right. was like, "Okay, yeah. you know, yeah. all right." <laughs> I, 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 he had no reason to do that. Right. You know what I'm saying? He mm-hmm. really didn't have it. Yeah, we didn't know him. We didn't yeah. know him. Mm-hmm. We we just went. Well, he went and talked to him because he always talking to people about mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, he gave us the tour and just you know, he's a good guy. Just yeah, he, he, he's, he's really is. been a mentor. Just mm-hmm. to you know. To be a man of his stature and still, like you said, humbly just show you around. Mm-hmm. I seen him the other day. He was out there sweeping in front yeah. of the, mm-hmm. the club. You know, the yeah, club. Uh, I think it was the gold scene. The gold was office yeah. was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. Those those group of people. Um, I think the Insley Alive and some other people that are really committed to Insley. Yeah. And uh, I can't say that my my passion matches theirs, mm-hmm. but every little bit helps. Yeah. And yeah. then I'm. I'm uh, in a position now where I'm not working a full-time job, working for myself, I have the opportunity to learn about what's going on in that community, whereas I didn't have that before. So I'm looking forward to doing more at Inslee and learning how we can recondition people's minds. You know, mm-hmm. how we can just play a part in doing stuff like you said. And yeah, like you said, you, you don't have to have the same level of passion and advocacy that they have right. in that community, but just bringing an event that says, you know what, this is an event. I mean, this is a place that can can host something like this and it can be nice you know what i'm saying that's doing your part you know what i'm saying that's really advocating for an area without even really opening your mouth and saying anything Mm -hmm. you're letting your actual passion and work speak for itself you know what i'm saying so which is causing um people to recognize your brand that's brand recognition for you but it's also recognition for the area and gives other people like a perspective like I can bring my event here right. and I, it can be nice it can be safe it can be fun it can be packed and it can be profitable yeah yeah right. and it can right. be profitable right. so before we go we um we always like to end our podcast with tips okay so y'all ready to get into the tips of the day yep. let's All go goodness, let's see alright <laughs> For tips of the day. You need to check and make sure this recording. You have to stop. Don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> I was just to oh, most say so. Tips of the day. Make sure you record before you start recording. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tips of the day. I, I just want you guys um, to speak a little bit about um, any advice you can give on being an entrepreneur and running a business and being a caretaker. And Aquila, for you, you know, what it takes or what advice you can give to to be married to a, a partner who's an entrepreneur and married into a situation where you are a care uh, caregiver, what advice you would give people? Okay. So as from an entrepreneur uh, aspect, because like I said, there are two type of entrepreneurs. You're a full-time or you're a part-time. And each one brings its own stress because when I was working, literally uh, mandatory six days a week, and uh, I did this for almost 10 years, night shift. And it was super stressful trying to build a business and do everything, be a husband, be a father, get rest. So I went without sleep a lot, uh, headaches, all type of things. So I would say for those who are dealing with stress as an entrepreneur, you have to believe in yourself. 
if, if you have doubt in yourself, then you, you're going to basically stress yourself out to a point where you're not going to be doing what you want to do as an entrepreneur, and you're still going to be stressed because you feel like, because you know you gave up on yourself. So that's, that's one of the biggest things that I uh, not pride myself in, but I'm thankful for is that believing in myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, that allows me to say, okay, when I pray and God bless me, I, I know I can handle it. Mm-hmm. You know, I know what I can handle. Uh, and, I, and I test myself to see, to build and be better at what I do. But um, when it comes to stress, uh, one of my remedies is uh, I want to learn how to, to meditate, but I do kind of detox. When I detox, I TV off, phone off. I'm just I might just lay in the bed, take my mind off what's going on. It just a, it might be ten minutes, just a little detox. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's one of my best stress reliefs right there. But uh, management, how you manage your time, how you manage your money, how you manage the situation from a uh, thinking point of view can help deal with stress. Uh, early on with the magazine, we had uh, deadlines we had to meet. And I didn't really understand how to manage those deadlines, so it was killing me. Mm-hmm. And uh, you talking about calling off work, trying to get these magazines out on time, all, all type of things. So learning how, learning your business and knowing how to manage your business, because like you said, Lamar, you didn't, you knew how to you went to school for massage, but you didn't go to school for business, mm-hmm. and that's something that all entrepreneurs struggle with. Mm-hmm. Skilled in some kind of label, or we're selling a product or something like that, but we lack that business sense. Right. And now YouTube and social media, we get these quick thirty. 60 second videos on how to be an entrepreneur and they, we're only getting tidbits until we got to pay for the next video to learn more so you really have to learn your business and learn as you go how to be an entrepreneur and that'll help alleviate stress because you become organized mm-hmm. I was the worst organized business person papers everywhere writing on everything trying to find stuff he still do that I, I'm still working on it. Oh, well, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he be losing paper that gave him a message. He be like, hey, did I leave that little uh, napkin out there? They like, that's him too? Yeah. Uh, so if, if you want to relieve stress as an entrepreneur, get organized. Yeah. Get organized. And then when it comes to being uh, a caretaker, a caregiver, um, everything revolves back to how you think. Mm. You know, and I have to get out of my own way. I made a post recently about that. Uh, I overthink, overanalyze stuff, so I have to get out of my own way. And if, and one of the things, like when I get a chance to speak to people and, and uh, teens and kids like that, I ask them what they want. Because if you really know what you want, you'll do what it really takes to get there. Mm-hmm. So there's some things that uh, I want out of life, and I know what it's going to require uh, for me to do as an entrepreneur and, and taking care of my mother. Uh, I'm, I'm so thankful for the point we're at today, and I'm able to be an entrepreneur and take care of my mother as an entrepreneur that, uh, Life just kind of, uh, you had to be thankful for what you got. Yeah, yeah I just had to be appreciative because I just remember the bad days. Mm-hmm. So no matter how big the I push brands getting and how many props I get and I'm getting a chance to go on TV and, and uh, people call me to be on these podcasts, man, I'm so appreciative. But I have to remember, like, man, it wasn't that long ago I was just working mm-hmm. and uh, having to take vacations and call off to go on vacations and, you know, crazy stuff. But I just had to stay humble. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Just really remember the tough times and where I've been to help me keep going where I'm going. So if, if you're stressing, be thankful for what you got. Yeah. yeah, I ain't got all the money and all the business sense. And, you know, I, don't ha- I don't do the suits and ties and things, but I, I'm appreciative of, of what I have and what God allowed me to do. Mm-hmm. And that, that's how I kind of deal with the stress. Good, good. Okay, you finished? Yeah. <laughs> okay, baby. <laughs> I think I done forgot my question. You know? 
She forgot her question. Yeah, I forgot so my question. For for those who are married, so one uh-huh. who's an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. how do you manage that? And I, I'm asking for myself. Okay. I'm the people. I'm the people. You the people. The, okay. I, I want to know the so. advice. How do you manage that? And then how do you manage? What advice do you give someone who's married to uh, a person that's an entrepreneur and uh, even a caretaker? Okay. Um. First, I, I'll be the first one to say it was not easy at first. Uh-huh. I had to be the one that um the stable person mm-hmm. and let him go out and see exactly what it is that he wanted to do because he just was so passionate about it I had to give in mm-hmm. you know is that give and take I had to be the one to be like I'll mm-hmm. say the bigger person mm-hmm. you know women find themselves to say okay we're gonna keep peace in the house so let me let my husband go out and see exactly what it is that he want to do because mm-hmm. he hate this job Mm-hmm. He's ready to leave. So I had to be that stable person to sit at home, to take care of the kids, to take care of the mom, his mom, and just let him find himself because he was not happy. And if you have an unhappy husband at home and he's just going to work, then you have more problems that you're going to onset onto your marriage. Uh-huh. But, um, yeah, I had to let him go find himself. Mm-hmm. So I got bought into it when I saw how passionate he was. And he stresses to me so much, like, I'm going to do this. And at the beginning of the time when we first met, that's his main thing. I'm, I'm going to be that person to help somebody. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, he have a lot of ideas. <laughs> but this one he has stuck with. So I had to be that wife to say, okay, my husband is ready to do this full time. So what did you do throughout that process? I know you had to be that stable person, mm-hmm. but what, what were your coping uh, my coping mechanism, uh, whew, I had a lot. Um, raising the kids, for one. They kept me busy. Mm-hmm. Um, balance in our relationship was a huge thing at first, the balance. Um, if he gave me balance, I gave him time to go out and do what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, another coping ne- mechanism was um, spending time with my family members you know, um, working. So I had a lot going on as well. Right. And I think uh, coping mechanism was when we started making money from the business. I think she really got bought in. <laughs> and, you know, she, can, you, you know she, 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 can, she was able to deal with it better uh, when, yeah, when, when she I saw, saw being fruitful. Right, fruitful. Because yeah. that, that was a big issue for yeah. her. Mm-hmm. To, to see something that he know nothing about. Mm-hmm. She know nobody else that's doing this. No, we mm-hmm. know nothing about this. To see actual money and opportunities present themselves. Yeah. yeah. What If y'all don't mind, uh-huh. awesome. what are your birthdays? You don't have to give me the year. Girl, we compatible. But, um. <laughs> I'm a Scorpio. And I'm a Pisces. February and November. And November. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just trying to figure out. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering. <laughs> <laughs> Look, what's and I am younger than her. Oh, well. <laughs> I am younger than her. Yeah, she is a cougar. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah. All right then. Yeah, but she she seriously saved me though. I, I want to say because yeah. um, I was really in the streets, in the trap house. Like I said, she really got me out of trouble, out of situations. Like I was really just. Uh, we got a story, man. We tell people where <laughs> I got a temp service job at a SIPCO. Mm-hmm. We get hired through the mail room and uh, had money, but they require steel toe boots. Now I wasn't gonna buy them steel toe boots. 
and she went to Walmart and bought me those boots. And then we've been together, and I never stopped working since mm-hmm. then. Yeah, so she she really been my rock though. Mm. Yeah. yeah. How long y'all been together now? I don't know. Oh, I can't gosh. keep up with years. We celebrated 10 years last year. <laughs> We've been married. Look, okay. that's the thing. You know black people. Yeah. You be together for 20-some years and be on paper for 10. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, we've been on paper for 10 years. Okay. It'll be 11 years in October. Okay. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Y'all made it through, y'all made it through the, the, the real hard years. Yeah. yeah. The first. Yeah. yeah. And the seven. And the seven. First yeah. and seven. Mm-hmm. Never heard of that. Okay. Yeah. They yeah. used to, um, I heard the first and the fifth. That one, too. Yeah. <laughs> I think ours was the first through. <laughs> through the seven. Through the seven. How, how, how long you guys got? We going uh, uh 14 wait. years. Oh, wow. wow. That's okay. a long That's time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So it'll be 15 this okay. in 2020. Okay. Cool. That's cool. Yeah. What kind of advice you got? You got any tips? Uh, yeah, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, for me, I think it, it was being supportive like there were times Lamar is one of those people I say have like shopper's remorse like he'll buy something and be like man I don't want this I'm gonna take this back and I just be like why didn't you like it I don't have them type problems Mm -hmm. if I go I see it I want it I bought it Mm -hmm. it's mine Mm -hmm. right yeah I go to the mall with a plan I'm gonna go here to get this I'm gonna go here to get Mm -hmm. that and that's just not him and so there would be things he wants that he wouldn't do for himself. Mm -hmm. And when it came to launching out in the business, as long as he was doing the mobile thing, he was really committed to that. Mm -hmm. But when he really wanted to go further and kind of branch out on his own, he really wouldn't commit to securing a building or securing a spot that really locked him in. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because it was just kind of like, ah, maybe this wasn't a good idea. Mm -hmm. And, you know, always that doubt. You know, in the back of his mind. And so sometimes I would push him to do stuff. And I'd be like, man, I hope this work out. Because I'm so going to be frustrated if it don't. <laughs> you know. And I think for me it was frustrated because I could see his potential. And I could see he was passionate about it. But what frustrates me is I'm going to get a plan, stick to it. Mm-hmm. And all these ideas he be having ebb and flowing. Then he'd be like, baby, these just my ideas ebb and flowing. It was hard for me because I said I'm type A++. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I think the advice that I gave, uh, that I would give is if you do have a spouse that is passionate and wants to go out, really support them, Mm -hmm. you know, really support them. And I think I'm hard on him. And I I think sometimes I'm trying to teach myself to fall back. I have high expectations of myself. I think I could, I really do think I'm superwoman. I'm used to pushing myself. Um, to do things even at our house like we don't have balance we don't have balance at our house <laughs> let me say that again cause he can't do more than one task at one time and, and sometimes that's frustrating for me because me being supportive is like I got you I got you I got this I got this I got this and then I be like damn when you gonna, when you gonna pick something up like I done got us for like the First 15 times, I need you to take 16, 17, and 18 so mm-hmm. I can recuperate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that in itself is a is a flaw. Be supportive, but also you have to know when to say, "I need help." Mm-hmm. And it's right now you gonna have to you gonna have to um, support me like I'm supporting you. So I and I think communicating that I wait till um, 
I'm tired or mm-hmm. burned out before I say it, and then it, I have like word vomit. And for him, that's just too much. Mm-hmm. And he'll think I'm mad, and I do be frustrated, but it's just more like I need you to see me, you know. And so, if I gave advice, that it would be that, like you know, be supportive, push them to do it, but also when you realize that you need them to support you and that you need to t- kind of tap out and say, I need the spotlight to be on me for a minute, mm-hmm. you got to do that. Yeah, you got to do that. Yeah. <laughs> what advice you got, Ma? I'm going to say what Steve Harvey said a long time ago. I got oh, <laughs> hell. <laughs> he said Steve Harvey. So Steve okay. Harvey said you can either be right or be happy. Sometimes mm. you just got to choose to be happy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he swear to God, he be right, though, about everything. Hey, pick your battles. But, um, um, from the entrepreneur aspect of it and, and dealing with stress, I've, of course, y'all heard me talk about it on the podcast. I've been through some stressful situations in this. And um, and how to deal with it, man, is just sometimes you do have self-doubt. You know, it's like, um, and Tiffany, she's really good at pointing it out to me when I have self-doubt. Because sometimes I believe that, like when people come to my space, they be shocked. They go, oh, man, this is so nice and that. In my head, though, it's like, it's all right. right. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. in my head, I'm like, this could be so much better. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, and then I get I got to the point where like I sat down with that. I was like, man, this is nice. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it's like you know, um, appreciate what you have, mm-hmm. and like the people who I got people calling me that want to apprenticeship with me. You know what I'm saying? Right. I have people who want to work for me. Tell Just, your mama to stop calling. They be the ones closest to you. (laughs) You got to keep your enemies close. (laughs) That's why I married her. (laughs) But no. um, (laughs) um, But, you know, I'm realizing, like, man, people calling me and saying, hey, I want to work for you just because of your name or your brand or I want to learn something from you. And sometimes I don't even look at myself how other people see me Mm -hmm. in this field. You know what I'm saying? Like, people see me in this field like, man, you accomplished something. And I'm like, man, you know, people are like, wait, is there any other black massage therapist places with this many massage therapists? And I was like, I don't think so. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, it hit me when somebody asked me that. Right. I was like, damn. And it's a different stress that comes along with that because what I recognize is some of the same um, uh, things that people said to you about not catering to black people or hiring black people. He does deal with those, some of those stresses because you don't see this done. You have some people that will come and work for you and don't respect you as much as they respect right. people who don't look like and just because you black. Just because you right. black. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I see that with him. Like, he do have a lot of people coming to him and respecting him, but part of that stress is that he's, he's learning how to navigate how you have to really push past the people who want to be there. Then when they get there, don't treat you like they want to be there. Right. You know? my, my advice mm-hmm. is stay true to yourself. Exactly. Stay yeah. true to yourself. No matter what, like people will come in and they'll be like, well, you should have, you should have fired her. You should have told her this and you should have told people. her that. <laughs> <laughs> but be who you are exactly. in the midst of chaos. Right. Because right. even though like, even in that situation where People feel like, man, I wouldn't took that if I was you. Right. Or you still going to get her something for her birthday? And hey, you heard she said this behind you? I'm like, look, first of all, I'm going to be who I am. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Yeah. That's him. Yeah. Me, on the other yeah. hand, I'm like, you know what? That's it. Yeah. 
But my thing is be who you are because people going to respect that. Yeah. yeah, them doing that just let me know who they are. Yeah, exactly. you know what I'm saying. Right. So I'm gonna be who I am, right. regardless. Sometimes in my head though, uh-huh. because <laughs> I'm from the hood too. Are y'all, <laughs> are y'all related? But no, That's but in my we are But in my yeah. head though, I would yeah. be a whole bunch of other thoughts. Right. You know what right. I'm saying? But uh-huh. then I was like, but sometimes I do think he learns a little late. Like there are times where he should listen to me. Yeah, and he has to come back yeah. and say that because the other aspect is, you know, I I manage people too, and I think where we sometimes disagree is that he owns the business that he manages, and mm-hmm. I don't own the business. But I'm like, I I still, first of all, I'm a therapist. I deal with nonverbal and verbal communication mm-hmm. and people and mm-hmm. you know human psychology and so human behavior, I. and he does too, and. I, but I, I I manage more people than he has, and mm-hmm. I've I've learned that you know, and I'm a little bit more cutthroat than he is, mm-hmm. and we've talked about how sometimes being too nice mm-hmm. is really a disadvantage, yeah. and I I'm learning that, and you know yes. what I'm saying, and that's it's what true. I want to get him to see is that sometimes you can't stick to your own personal philosophy. Sometimes business is business. Mm-hmm. You know what so I'm saying? So one book that's really teaching me that is 48 Laws of Power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You read that? I haven't read it, but I've <laughs> just been looking at tidbits. I'm, I'm, on, need it, to I'm read. on it now. I'm like okay. on the 17th law. Okay. And I'm like... And he be trying to use it on me. I be like... Let's <laughs> 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 see. Me and you that. more alike. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's I don't have the agreement, but people, he know if I get yeah. a... I, don't, I guess it's God given because uh, if I get that vibe from yeah. you, or I'm like, mm, no. Yeah, she's you know. right a lot of time. About and people. he know I'm always. Yeah, she's right. I'm always oh. right about people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, always right yeah. about people. And I get at him all the time. I'm like, hold up now. Okay, call him on the phone. <laughs> let me talk to him. Mm-hmm. But he won't let me. Right. Yeah. But, but it's probably wise. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he too nice though. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, uh, like you said, Lamar, I like to learn mm-hmm. from people and situations. Because you ain't going to give me twice for the same stuff. But all right, all right. I, I am learning. I mean, I learned a valuable lesson today, you know, before I got here and uh, from somebody. And and as an entrepreneur dealing with stress, you got to keep learning. Mm-hmm. You know, learn from yeah. people, learn from situations. True. You got to be willing to, uh, not so caught up in what you're doing, to pay mm-hmm. attention to what's going on, mm-hmm. especially in Birmingham. I think that's why God put us together, because he need that balance. He need the you know, the devil and Jesus on one side. I might be a little devilish on one side and Jesus on the other side. So I have to get, you know, I have to balance him out. Like, look, yeah. this ain't right. Because I, I, can't, I can't get upset, folks, because I, I, cause I can get hood on quick, and it's a whole different business. You know what I'm saying? I, I, it's like how some people do business in Birmingham. It's like, man, y'all just don't know. Like, business, business and street life is so different, man. I can't even deal with it. Yeah, because you got a reputation in the it, name. Exactly, man. It, so you got a brand that you got to think yeah. about. And um, even though, you know, people might not treat you right and stuff yeah, like that, you exactly. got a brand because the That's ultimate right. goal is the brand. That's right. You know what I'm saying? So right. getting this brand to a place that even if you decide to sell it, it's worth something. Right. That's it's why I can't good. drive his truck because he got his <laughs> signs all over his truck. Yeah. My road rage. Man. <laughs> oh, you like, got road rage? I, said, I had to tell, this was just last week. Nah, really I said, I said there's yeah. signs on the car. Mm. Like, for real, relax. I rolled down there with the ugly like, <laughs> <laughs> All therapeutic top going out the window. I'm like, hey, hey, you see me. <laughs> Don't make me follow you up. I'm 
like, why you got to stare at people like this? <laughs> then I come to there, I be like. <laughs> Man, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, but I learned to like a lot of the stuff, especially like that road rage, all this stuff. Just let it roll off. Yeah, now, especially nowadays, you have to yeah. let it roll off. I'm learning. Well, I, I'm exaggerating a little bit. I really just be fussing inside my car. Me too. I'm learning. Though. I don't roll down my window, but I be wanting to. I be wanting to follow them off the freeway. I, I want to say something real quick. Since yeah. we have so many similarities in, in our marriage and personalities that as, at that, it was a point in my life when I realized it hit me like, man, this is the person. I'm already married to this person, but it's no doubt this is the person I need to be with. Like, <laughs> we argue, and we might be fussing, and then we just back to who we is. Like, it, it, just, it rolled right on off of us. Like, we just yeah. night and day, man. Yeah. And then when yeah. you just got somebody you can stick with, and it's, there's nothing in my mind to say, man, I don't want to be with her no more because we had a bad argument or nothing like that. Mm -hmm. We just, you know, I just know who she is. Yeah. Yeah, I get to, yeah. yeah. Love her for who she <laughs> you is. Said, <laughs> said something else. Said something else. Look, he spoke to you. know you ain't my mama. I'm like, okay, I know. Yeah. But yeah, that's his favorite word. You're not my mama. I'm like, okay, I know. Yeah, Lamar used to have this saying, uh, I was scared of love. Scared that's, of that, love. that's how I knew I was supposed to be married to him because I was like, no other person could run behind me. Tell him, come on, baby, give me a hug. You scared of love. Why you scared of love? That's just, any other person, I'd be like, listen. Yeah, we about to have a misunderstanding about the bullshit here. <laughs> I was like, "This something's wrong with this dude." I need, I need this in my life because I can't even be angry. I'd be like, "Look, I said, come on, give me a hug, give me a kiss." I'm like, "I don't want to hug you." Right. You know what I'm saying? But it really would, you know, disable me a little bit. It's been so nice having yeah. you guys. On yeah, thank you guys thank so you. much, thank man. So much. Thank y'all for coming on. We really appreciate it. Yeah, this this is really dope, man. Yeah, we enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, guys, until next time, live your best life. Living through your stress life. Hello.